knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Did you know that Paris Hilton is a pig farmer? That's right, Paris Hilton is a pig farmer. Back in 2009, Paris Hilton bought herself a teacup pig. Now, teacup pigs have been around a long time, and there's a lot of controversy around the teacup pig. You see, they're kind of a, well, some people claim a scam. Someone sells you this specialized pig that's been specially bred to fit inside a little teacup. And someone goes and says, oh man, look at that little cute pig. How big does it get? The person says, oh, it doesn't get very big. It's a teacup pig. Go ahead. You can buy it. You can keep it inside your house. And that's what Paris Hilton did. She bought herself a little teacup pig and she was told that it wouldn't get very big and it would be able to live inside her house. Turns out, like most pigs, the pig got larger than a teacup. Here's a picture of Paris Hilton's pig when she first got it. It was definitely a smaller pig. Looking at a more recent picture of Paris Hilton's pig, she should be proud. Most pig farmers would be happy to have a pig that grew a lot larger than they expected. Let's just say she got a little bit more than what she paid for if she was hoping to have purchased a teacup pig. Sometimes with livestock, uh, there are fads and there are things that come and go and, and people will claim, having gone through these, seen these, witnessed these, uh, that all things contrary to what they believe or what they've seen in the past are fads. I've noticed this trend when it came to pastured pigs. When I first started hearing about pastured pigs, I of course heard it through the slow food movement. Different farmers talking about pastured pigs, grazing pigs, and I was very interested because I was already pasturing poultry, putting Cornish crosses out on grass and watching them gobble up bugs and enjoy life doing that. And so I started looking into pastured pigs. And having the show, we started talking about it here on Homesteady. And kind of like teacup pigs, I learned there is a lot of controversy around pastured pigs and grazing pigs. There are people who believe it's a complete lie and there's no such thing and, and you can never have a pig that goes out on grass. And then there are people who will tell you that there's pigs that can eat only grass and they will get huge and they will get fat and they will do everything they need to do. 
Well, as usual with home study, we find that, you know, the reality is somewhere in the middle. And uh, as I did more research, I learned more about these grazing pigs and pastured pigs. I decided after years and years of raising Yorkshire land race, commercial pink cross pigs, I wanted to try getting into pastured and grazing pigs. Not because I believed I could grow them for free in my backyard just off of sunshine and grass blades. And also not because I wanted to prove this was a, a myth and a lie out there and there's no such thing. But because they have some things that are different about them than what I was used to. Some pros that maybe the commercial style pigs don't have. And I wanted to give it a shot for myself. So we did a little bit of research and we wound up deciding to get some Cooney Coonies and later on we wound up deciding to get some IPPs, Idaho Pastured Pigs. Knowing very little about these pigs, we did further research to find someone who knew more about them and who could answer some of our questions and help us kind of navigate through uh, what information's on the internet, what information people are talking about, the people who say it's all lies, the people say it's all true. Someone who actually has some experience who can share with us and answer our questions. And that's why we have Kirsten with us tonight. My grandfather and my grandmother and my uncles, they own the family homestead. I mean, my grandparents are gone. Uh, That's been in our family for over 200 years. So every vacation, summer, I would beg, borrow, or steal a ride to the farm. This is Kirsten Bordner from Mouse Creek Farms. She's the turkey grow-out manager for Empire Kosher Poultry. She's worked in turkey and boiler production since 1996. But the truth is, she's not here to talk about turkeys or chickens. She's here to talk about her true passion, which is pigs. And that started all the way back on her grandparents' farm. When I was a little kid, my grandfather had a boar and two sows, and they would have cute little piglets. And all of a sudden, the sows disappeared and the boar disappeared. And I really think it was because they found Kirsten climbing over the fence to get in with the pigs. Oh, no. Yeah, (laughs) that would do it. Or whatever. I I can't prove it. Nobody ever said it, but if they couldn't find me, they could find me in the barn. And, you know, it was either with the cattle or I was, you know, looking at the pigs or I was in with the laying hens in the barn. This was, you know, an old fashioned farm. We had laying hens. We, they had cattle, they had pigs. I mean, you know, they had an orchard, they had truck patch. And that's what my grandfather's did. My family did for 200 years. Uh, when I went to college, that's what I wanted to do. I worked on my uncle's farm. I wanted the farm. I want a farm. That's the 80s. That's when the commercial ag started really gaining a foothold. And you couldn't make a living just farming anymore. You had to find a, another job. Well, my parents were both teachers. I'm in college. I didn't want to be a feed salesman. And my, you know, my advisor's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, my parents teach. Like, and I love ag. He's like, well, I think you should look into getting into like working for extension or in that aspect. Through there, I, I ended up becoming a service person, a flock supervisor. 
that I go to farms and help farmers farm. I teach at this point turkeys. I did layers, I did broilers, but at this point I I get to go out and teach ventilation and animal husbandry and animal welfare to farmers. So I kind of combined my love of agriculture with my history, you know, family history of teaching. Deep down, Kirsten missed those pigs on her grandparents' farm. Little did she know going to a picnic would bring pigs back into her life and change things forever. I was sitting at a picnic one day and a friend of mine starts talking about this pig that grazes and great meat quality. And I'm like, a pig that grazes. I was a little bit like you, like pigs don't graze. What are you talking about? (laughs) They're like, well, we're going to have a litter soon, you know, in August. And, you know, why why don't you get one? And I'm like, sure, I'll buy one. Buyer's remorse after I left the pig. Do I really want a pig? Where am I going to put this pig? What am <laughs> I got? I got horse fencing. I'm not pig fencing. So I went and picked up the pig. And the rest is history. I, I came into it going, well, I'm going to get some bacon and some pork chops. You know, I did not think this was going to fly. I I mean, I knew, you know, pigs can be on pasture, but I've seen pigs on pasture and I have seen the damage that they can do. Um, so no, I really just, I'm going to get this pig. I'm going to throw the grain to him and then I'm going to butcher him and put a pig in the freezer. And that was fun while it lasted. Uh, I never thought never thought I would be where I am right now. I love that because you're coming from you're coming from a homestead, you have a homestead heart. You grew up loving this homestead life. But like you mentioned, it it became the homesteads couldn't make a living. You couldn't be a homestead and make the living the world that we have now with the internet and being able to ship meat and uh the, you know the amount of farmers markets that are out there. This is a more modern thing and more people are able to have even side businesses off the homestead thanks to all these more modern modern developments uh but yeah we've seen the scaling of farms over the last hundred years it went in a different direction it was go big or go home and so you're coming from this homestead heart background but then the commercial side of things the commercial world and then approaching this with the idea which is honestly the way i approached our first grazing pigs which was you know what Maybe this will be a huge flop. Maybe this won't work at all, but I'll get some bacon. And if that's as bad as it gets, I mean, hey, I'm up for that kind of experiment. What is the deal with the Idaho pastured pig? Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com What's going on with this pig that makes it so special? <laughs> you know, they're kind of addicting. It, it is like the crack cocaine of the pig world. It, it, 
Um, they have the, you know, they have a great personality and, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with heritage breeds, you know, um, or even with a lot of even modern pig breeds, because obviously when I left the farm and the feeder pigs, you know, I went into poultry. So, you know, I've been out of the pig world for a long time, but you know, they're not huge. You know, the commercial industry had gone to the bigger boars, the bigger sows, more piglets per sow. And some of those boars can get quite sizable. And this is a, a you know, I would consider a medium sized pig. Uh, so it's not quite as intimidating. I mean, there's still livestock, but it's not quite as intimidating. They are a nice size. They have great personalities and they taste good. The, my understanding is they were developed by a, a couple who wanted a homesteading pig, specifically for small farms, small acres, easy to take care of, but had a good growth rate. So they, I guess, did a lot of research. They picked the old Berkshire for the meat quality. They picked the Duroc for the mothering ability, and they picked the Cooney Cooney for the grazing ability. And they just kept breeding them together till they got what they wanted and the Idaho pasture pig was created. Once, once they created that, then it was 12 years of breeding, is my understanding, till they could be considered an actual breed. They seem to do well on pasture. They still need grain. They're an omnivore, but they love being on pasture. So, so it's kind of a nice animal to, to be around, to work around. Um, yeah, they're just kind of addicting. The piglets are cuter. Than... <laughs> that? So, so what all you want to, you know, how far into this you want me to go. But I started with one and had four in, in a month. Yeah. What do you prefer to refer to these pigs? Do you call them pasture pigs, um, grazing pigs? What's the right term in your opinion, Kirsten? And what does that mean as far as what you should expect from these sort of pigs? We also have Cooney Coonies, which, you know, when I was looking into Cooney Coonies, it was a lot of the same description in the Cooney Cooney, you know, description. What is a pastured pig? What, what does that tell the person who's buying it? Well, it's my understanding that the only true grazing pig is the Cooney Cooney, which is why the Cooney Cooney was used in the development of the Idaho pasture pig. I just call them pasture pigs. You know, I don't know that there's, maybe there is a correct terminology and someone that's maybe more into pasturing pigs a lot longer than I have been. Maybe there's some correct terminology. They're Idaho pasture pigs, IPPs. So I just call them pasture pigs. But pigs are omnivores, so they do still require some kind of a grain, you know, a balanced diet. You know, if a pig's not getting a balanced diet, it's going to try to find it, you know. So that's when I think a lot of your damage to your pastures come is when they're missing something. So I just call them pasture pigs or bacon. I like that, too. When someone gets a pastured pig, um, you, I mean, you clarified it right there. Pigs are omnivores. They need to have more. They're not a ruminant. They can't just eat your grass in your backyard and, and live off of that. As far as their, and, and you started mentioning it there, 
one of the big selling points that I've seen with the grazing pigs, the cooney coonies, the pasture pigs, is that they can get more from the pasture, meaning more feed, and they are easier on it. So first, let's first I want to talk about a little bit about what you do for feeding these pigs, as far as supplementing, making sure they're getting the right nutrition, nutrition, and then also we'll talk a little bit about how they are on the pastures and how you can make sure they're better. So on the feeding side of things, Kirsten, um, you already said they need a little bit of grain. What do you do to make sure your pigs are, are getting the right nutrition and growing at the right rate? I work with a nutritionist. So most of these feed mills that you can get feed from have a nutritionist on, you know, if not on staff, <clears throat> that they can call. Through my job, we have a nutritionist through work, so I call them. Um, this pig generally eats about half the grain of a commercial pig and the rest they're getting from the pasture. But when they're young and growing, I found they need maybe a little bit more grain to grass ratio until that gut develops that it can digest that roughage efficiently. So my younger feeder pigs get probably a little more grain than that half that people talk about. And then since a nor these pigs eat about half the grain, I double the minerals. That way they're getting enough minerals through their feed that they're not going to go look for it in the dirt. And that kind of leads us right into the question of how they are on pastures. Everyone's uh, one of the big selling points of these pigs is they won't root, they won't tear up your pastures. But what you're saying is that is conditional. What will lead a uh, Idaho pasture pig or a Cooney Cooney, what would lead them to start digging and rooting really hard in your pasture? The, the number one reason has been minerals. Uh, if I can tell a little story here of my first pigs. Yeah. Again, I am thinking, Hey, this, this doesn't root this. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I bought these three animals off of Craigslist. I bring them home. The sow literally within a week had a litter because she was bred. She literally ate the two B stones in the barnyard. She was wow. that deficient on milk. It took, so that first winter, because I got them in October, she had her litter. They're on my little, I think it was about six tenths of an acre that we initially fenced in. I turn them loose on this and they rototill it. <laughs> they tore it one end to the other. And I am like, yeah, these don't root. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> So I talked to the primary breeder and she's like, throw the minerals at them. They're still deficient. So I did, I upped their minerals and I literally would just throw a handful of mineral in a, in a pan just to see what they would do. And they fought over it. So I upped the minerals and it took them because the grass wasn't growing. So now they don't really have a grass to chew on or, or to satate themselves. It took all winter to cure them of this habit. The other thing I had done was this was kind of a reclaimed area of the farm. And I used road cuttings to fill in holes and valleys. And I had pulled 
ornamental trees out and well road cuttings contain an awful lot of road salt rock salt and they they just dug craters so i i had a mess and i'm like this this isn't right like okay pigs root that's it pigs <laughs> Idaho master pig. <laughs> come spring i leveled it all off i reseeded that pasture i i divided the pasture up into four pastures i put them on another area and you would not know that pasture now was ever rooted up they have not done it again once i got the mineral straightened out got into a good growing season i still have the one sow yet the other well one became bacon because mm -hmm. you know you got one that bacon you, you have to actually get some bacon otherwise there's no point in having the pigs right i mean somewhere <laughs> right. so one um yeah they they haven't she hasn't done it since they will dig to china for a dandelion root i have found they're very effective at getting rid of thistles wow they will take the shreds uh, at least the canadian thistle which is what i have i've been trying for 20 years to get rid of a patch of thistle on my farm and you know you spray it with roundup or 2,4-D and two months later they're back stronger than they were before <laughs> i turn them into the fields with the thistles that's the first thing they head for the, uh, thistles are high in magnesium after i googled it interesting so they're they're looking for that the mineral that the, the thistle's been holding i was actually reading yep. before we talked uh some people were talking about they did a study on grazing pigs pasturing pigs and one of the things they found is if you worked them through a, a cow, if you worked them with cows and through the pastures quick enough uh, where they didn't damage the pastures is the pastures were much better the following year for cows. And that's probably part of it is they're finding all these things and tearing them out of it. And yeah, after their I wish you could have done this out in the field mm. because. I just had Penn State here, their grazing specialist. We're going over some pasture things and watering things. And I was able to show him my first six-tenth of an acre I, I fenced in, my second acre I fenced in, and my third acre I fenced in. And the difference between the grasses, between the initial pasture and my last one, is you can see the improvement from every year. No way. That's that's fascinating. And he was, and he was here the very first year I started, to to try to help because to try to help me set up pastures. And he's like, he was like me too. Like you're going to graze pigs. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> he's like, well, he goes, I'm used to cattle, and I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, well, <laughs> let's set up like cattle, just go smaller. So that's what we did. And yeah, the, the they've improved the pastures. Now, you did mention also a uh, little, little bit about the sows with their breeding, making, uh, you know, prepping for that. How much are you involved when it comes to the breeding? Uh, how are the Idaho pasture pigs? Are they a more hands off breed? Are they naturally good mothers? What have you found with breeding these pigs? Oh, they're excellent mothers. They, they are excellent mothers. Um, I know pigs can have a tendency to lay on piglets and it can still happen with the Idaho pasture pig. 
I have not, knock on wood, I have not had that happen yet. Wow. I have had a sow go to lay down and heard a piglet squeal and she just jump up and just wait till everybody clears and she lays down again. Now, yeah, you get enough piglets. It, it can happen. But they are excellent mothers. A lot of these pigs, you know, they'll let you in with them. My boss Sal won't. She's like, she's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing this. You know, just give me my space. Now I can be in when she's having her litter. Once she goes into her zone, I'm always there for the birthing just in case something goes wrong. Um, I've literally resuscitated two piglets that came out slow that I was able to, you know, kind of give them some little bit of mouth to snout and get them off and running that I probably would have lost had I not been in the barn. And I am just the kind of person I want to be there. That's my training. You know, that's how I was kind of brought up. So I have a 200 year old bank barn and you know, the coldest night of February is when my first litters come off. So I'm sleeping bag, hanging out in the barn. Um, I've kind of gotten pretty good of saying, yeah, you're going to fire within the next three hours instead of spending three nights in the barn. I spend a couple hours, but they're very good. Um, once my older Sal, once they're kind of up and going, then she, she's kind of like, yep, yeah, you're, you're all right. But she's, she's very protective and really on a pasture pig as good as their personality are. I don't mind that she's overprotective. You know, you've got, I've got coyotes. I've got foxes here. So if a piglet starts squealing, I don't want her to ignore it. I want her to go charging to protect her piglet. So like today, when we were doing our pasture walk, a a bald eagle flew overhead. And I'm like, yeah, move along. Keep moving. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. If if part of why you want these pigs is so they are out and they are utilizing more of of what you have land-wise, you do have to expect that that and that's something we found with our different animals the more protective mothers uh, we have cows that i don't worry at all with coyotes around i know our cows would chase them off and then we even have dogs on the property for that too do you suggest someone who is looking to buy these pigs go to craigslist and find the first ipp on craigslist go to a registered seller of the IPPs. What's the way you suggest someone get their first IPP? Well, as a registered seller, I want you to come to me, of course. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, if you are getting your first IPPs, I would go to someone that's running a registered herd they, they sell feeder pigs that you know you're getting, a, it doesn't have to be a registered pig, but you're getting it from a registered breeder that you're getting an actual Idaho pasture pig. There's kind of been some issues when these things started getting popular that people are saying, hey, I've got Idaho pasture pigs and they're not. So, and of course, then they, they rude or, or they're just not what the people, well, they're not as advertised. And then that gives our IPPs a bad name. So I would just suggest you get one from a registered breeder. Um, especially if you want to go into breeding yourself, you want to buy registered. 
it only costs ten dollars for us to register an animal so the rest of the money is in the breeding quality and then you have a piece of paper that gives you the bloodlines so then when you're looking for a mate for that animal you are able to compare bloodlines because the last thing you want to do is you know you buy one from joe schmo down the road and one from joe schmo up the road and find out they're the same pigs <laughs> we actually for those very reasons uh, when we were looking for our ipp we decided specifically to go with a registered one for exactly that i was thinking you know and maybe you can uh, give us a little history on these if you know it kirsten um they're a newer breed, right? Yes. So a newer breed yes. is going to have a smaller gene pool just because there's not, you know, this hasn't been going for thousands of years and there's not people with these all over the world. Um, so I thought, you know, I want to make sure we're actually getting what we're looking for. And that's why we went with the registered animal. Now, something we, we got to talk about if we're talking about pigs is actually the meat side of things. What do you find as far as time goes? Uh, how long does it take to get one to market? Uh, and what kind of yield and what have you found with the actual pork in the freezer? Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. You can finish these on grain if you want to. It'll be a fattier pig, and you better have the butcher ready to butcher it by the time it's six months of age. But it's but it still can be done like you can still like you have a pig in the wintertime and you don't have any grass and you don't have fodder. You know, you might have some hay, but, you know, who wants to haul water all winter long? Oof. That's um, the truth. That they can be done in six months. It'll be a fattier pig, but you still have a pig in the freezer and you made use of your stock. Because I like to get two liters a year, so there's going to be winter pigs and. For me, I finish mostly winter pigs because I can sell all the ones in the spring. So I, for my own use, have only ever really done winter pigs. I think they taste just fine. The ones that are grazed, then which get half the feed, take about nine months, depending on how much feed they're actually getting and your pasture quality. Pasture quality is huge. If you don't have good pasture, it's going to be slower. They they like a mix. I have clovers in my pasture and different grasses. Um, they they really appreciate the clover. So, you know, depending on your pasture quality will also affect growth rate. So figure nine months to a year, depending on what you're doing with them. I do find I like the meat better with the ones that I raise because I did butcher once that that one sow, but it was a gilt, and that meat was richer. It, it definitely had a richer flavor, a little denser um, conditioning to it. it. It it was a little different, but both of them, I've had zero complaints from anybody that I've sold 
winter pigs to on meat quality. So I'm kind of anxious to actually do some of my own feeder pigs on pasture through the summer if I could actually keep some long enough. <laughs> but I keep selling. One of, the, one of the best things that I like about this pig, and it could be with all heritage pigs, but in my experience is I can throw a pork chop on the grill and, and make it like a T-bone steak. I get them thick cut like a T-bone and I grill them like a T-bone and it tastes as good as any T-bone I've ever eaten. We got a picture up. My kids found a picture of a steak on the grill and oh man, my mouth is watering just looking at it. It looks delicious. Ooh. And that is something I think I raised commercial Yorkshire land raised cross pigs for about five or six years. I did those pigs and I loved them. I, I really enjoyed those pigs and I have always been a fan of those pigs and, and told other people, if you're doing it, don't have any worries about doing those pigs. They like being outside. They like being on grass. Uh, and I did not believe that the pork from a heritage breed pig tasted any better. I've heard about Berkshire pork. I raised Tamworths. I raised Hampshires. Um, and for a long time, I just didn't believe it because I tried different things. And I said, no, if you feed the, the cross, the ones that I raised, if you feed them good and you let them have a good diet, they'll be really good. Uh, they're just as good was what I would say. And that is true. If you give them a good diet, they really do make a really better quality pork than what you would get at the supermarket from a commercially raised one, in my opinion. But this last February... We went to a event. Uh, we had a couple butchers who were doing a, a butcher video for us, and that's coming out soon. Uh, once all these quarantines lift, I'm going to release that video because they do events, and you can go and see one of these events. But they served us Berkshire pork. They sent me home with Berkshire pork chops, and Kay cooked up those pork chops, and they I have to admit, they tasted better than the pig I'd been raising for years. And so... Now, we haven't been able to try our Cooney Cooney or our IPP yet. That's that's off in the future. But I am now a believer that breed can play a part in your table quality. Uh, my mind has been changed there. And uh, I'm hope I'm excited to see. We have a couple different, right now, Cooney Coonies, who a couple of them are going to wind up as a, a pig roast pig pretty soon. So I'll be able to make my first my first um call on that as far as the Cooney Coonies go. The IPP is a little bit further off because we have a breeder and we need to, we're going to go long-term on that one, but hopefully it's as good as yours is, Kirsten. When someone is purchasing, one last question for you as far as purchasing goes, and then I do have a couple questions from the audience. Get your questions in now because we're going to be going to uh, questions in a moment. When someone, I often talk about on this channel, when you're purchasing livestock, not only looking at the breed, but also looking at the line as far as purchasing animals and making sure they're a good fit for your homestead. Obviously, the IPP breed is one that's been bred for being out on pasture, being a good homestead pig. Everything you've described sounds like something a homesteader would want. They're tough on pasture. They're good parents. Uh, they develop a really good product, and it doesn't take forever to do so. Are, should someone look specifically at the management practices of the farm they're purchasing from, or is it pretty much safe to say any IPP, as long as it's registered, confirmed IPP, is going to be a good fit? Oh, that sounds like a loaded question. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> if you're looking at buying a pig, an, an Idaho pasture pig from a breeder, you want someone that's going to talk to you, that's going to answer your questions, 
that's going to give you some service after the sale because this is for a lot of people something that they have never experienced and they may run into some rooting issues or some other issues that you know is going to kind of like well this isn't what i was told so buy from someone that you can call and say hey you know my pig's doing this my pig's doing that you know make use of the idaho pasture pig facebook page you know that is a great group of people you can throw any question on there you can search it uh, they, they are a wealth of information all these breeders on this page are are terrific um i did not learn all this i am not sitting here in front of you because so by some osmosis i know all this yes i have a degree and i have an education and i work in agriculture but really i asked a ton of questions i made great contacts with people on the page i asked my questions i listened when people asked their questions and then i call a vet i would know or i'd call a nutritionist that i would know or i would call you know someone else that i know to get these questions answered and put them back on the page for all of us. Uh, we're a great community. That is the one thing I, I really think makes this breed addicting for all of us. We're a good community of breeders that support each other. You know, we work with each other. Okay, I run a bandit line, you know, the next guy's running another line. Okay, you want to buy a boar and a gilt? Okay, I got a boar, you know, Joe, you know, Joe in State College, he's got a, you know, a guilt. We try to hook people up. We try to, to help with bloodlines. We recommend other breeders if we don't have what will fit. You don't see that everywhere. You definitely don't. Um, I can attest to that. That sounds really nice. <laughs> the, this group is, is amazing. It's been refreshing. It's been you know, you, there's so much negativity, and especially right now, that it's a breath of fresh air to get on talk pigs with people, and <laughs> you know, answer people's questions and ask questions, and and be this accepting group that wants you to succeed. We want this breed to succeed. We are a gr group of people dedicated to this breed, and and it shows. So. You know, make a lot of contacts, get on the page, contact a lot of people, ask your questions on the page. Most of these people that I've sold pigs to are now on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, because now they're friends. You know, they send me pictures. I just got pictures just right as we were warming up and oh, doing cool. a sound check. I pictures from a lady that bought a gilt from me last year of, of her gilt growing up. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So the, the Idaho pasture pig Facebook page is a great resource. There's also a website, which you'll find on the Facebook page, which has a link to all the registered breeders in the United States. There is also a map on the Facebook page, which shows where every registered breeder is in the United States. So you, find your house and find who's near you. Um, Penn State Extension is now really pushing small farm 
uh, webinars. Uh, their pasture specialist was here today. Their hog specialist was here last week. Uh, use the resources that are available to you to set your program up. Um, it's it. They're great to have out. I mean, like I said, I'm lucky through my job. I get to talk to people in the industry. And I know there's a common misconception that, uh, oh, these, these, you know, the commercial people hate, yeah. hate homes. Oh, and that's not the case. I mean, I, I have called multiple people on my pasture pigs and they're thrilled. Yeah. They have helped me breeding questions, feeding questions, nutrition questions, and they're literally enjoying it because it's different. And they're like, oh, this isn't what I usually do. This is great. So don't be afraid to reach out to people, talk to people, use Penn State, use Extension, use our Facebook page, ask a ton of questions. Because And there's other Facebook pages to design for homesteading or pasture pigs. I really enjoy our Facebook page because everybody seems to just really want people to succeed with this breed and we're, we're willing to help. We will add a link for sure in the description of this video. So you can find that specific Facebook page. We're following it and we've been enjoying that. Uh, one more question, Kirsten, if people want to follow Mouse Creek farm and what you're up to, uh, where can they find all that you're doing there? Well, right now I don't have a website cause I'm it illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> So if I could find somebody to build me a web page, that'd be great. There you go. I'm taking volunteers. <laughs> but I have a Facebook Creek Farm, uh, which I'm very active on. I, I usually post all kinds of pictures and what's up and coming and what's going on on the farm and things that I'm doing. So that's probably the best place right now to follow me is, is on the Mouse Creek Farm Facebook page. We'll add a link to that as well in the description. And uh, maybe we can work out. I could build you a website, trade for some IPP breeders. What do you think? <laughs> oh, maybe we Every week on Tuesday nights, we record these live from the barn episodes, and we do them live with the Homesteady Pioneers. They join us, and at the end of the episode, they are able to ask questions of our guest. This week, we had a couple fantastic questions one of the questions was about raising IPPs in the woods, and we also discussed raising them in orchards and around young fruit trees. Another one of the homesteady pioneers talked about another one of the homesteady pioneers talked about increasing yield with their pigs and and how to do that. You can join us live for these interviews and ask questions of our guests who are experts in their field. Uh, become a Homesteady Pioneer by clicking the link in the description for this episode of this podcast. And you can join us live Tuesday night, 5 p.m. Eastern time is usually when we do these. If you don't join us live, you still get access to the entire full-length versions of these episodes. This one here was about 40 minutes of a podcast, but the entire full-length unedited version the Pioneers get access to is well over an hour it's about an hour 20 where we went in depth talking about all kinds of additional things about pigs and every one of our episodes there's an extended version in the pioneer library you can watch the videos or you can listen to the podcasts 
So if you love these and you want more each week, become a Homesteady Pioneer. Click a link in the description for the episode of this podcast to do so. We thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that deep dive into pigs. We are really enjoying our pastured pigs. And I know if you're thinking about pigs, you will enjoy them too. So consider it. Until next time, remember the road is rocky. Make home steady.